they claim that our eyes will just be created a slightly different from what they are when we talk to the same things Welcome to Strange Familiars. How are you tonight, Allison? I'm fine. I paused there waiting for you to jump in, but you did not. Try to keep you on your toes. <laughs> on tonight's show, I will be talking with Magnus, who has some of these odd sleep stories. His are a little bit different. He doesn't have sleep paralysis. He wakes up and there's people in his room. That isn't sleep paralysis? He's not paralyzed. He just can interact with them and talk to them? Well, they're not there for long. They lean in quickly and, like, freak them out, and then... Uh, then they're gone. Then they're gone. But it happens in that first few seconds yeah. after yeah. wakefulness, mm-hmm. which could be described as, like, an in-between kind of time. Yeah. Some of these characters are... He said they were in the dream... Previous. Previous to it, and then they're in his room. Are they after, recurring afterwards. characters, so, like, the same people are there? I don't believe so. I, don't, I, I think he said they're, like... New every time? Yeah. Yeah. Which means there's so many of them. That for yeah. some reason, that's freakier to me. Yeah, it's, it's odd stuff, but it's an interesting conversation. Before we talk with Magnus, we'll be reading some art monsters, some articles about monsters from the past. Some classic monsters. They go way back, way back to the 1700s, some of these articles. Before we get to that, though, I've got some shout-outs. I want to shout-out to uh, Dave Q, who's not feeling so good. He's a listener of ours. Dave, if you're listening, hope you feel better. I want to thank Jim H. for the gift he sent. Thanks so much. I know you're trying to protect everybody's anonymity, but it makes it sound like you're a kindergarten teacher. Well, you know, this is the way it is. We have a weird podcast here, and I don't know if everybody wants to be named, but Jim sent us a, what was that, some kind of like... A little antique bottle. Like, like a tin or something mm-hmm. from the past, right? Mm-hmm. I told him I'd tell the story of how it arrived at our P.O. box. Yeah. So it's a, there's a box in the P.O. box that fit in from the... The side that the actual postal, postal people use. Yeah, but there's a lip on it for the door. So we couldn't get the box out. And yeah. it's, it's after hours at this point. It reminded me of like one of those Aesop fable stories about like if you just let go. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but we were deter- I was determined. Well, you, I went in first. You were in, in the car and... I actually reached in and I, I reached my arm all the way into the P.O. box. So I'm, I'm actually, you know, reaching beyond the P.O. box and back into the post office oh. and trying to turn it. And I can't turn it and get it back in. I thought if I could turn it so it would be at a different angle, I could pull it out. It really, essentially, we could have waited until the next time the post office was open. It became but it was, one of those, like, the hills you die on for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. So I went out and I told you, and, and I was so happy because you were, you were immediately, like, as annoyed as I was. Like, no, we're going to get this out. Let me go look at it, right? And I was able to stick my hand through the whole way out the other side, turn it around and pull it back, and then it, and the it's, exact it's, same result, it wouldn't yeah, come out. it still didn't fit. And then I was like, let's just open it up inside, like, take a knife and open it up while it's inside the box, mm-hmm. inside the P.O. box. And then we'll collapse, once we get the item out, then we'll collapse the box and pull it out. And that's what we did. That's what we ended up I really felt like MacGyver. It was satisfying in the end. But most important, I was like, it was annoying me that we couldn't get it out. I knew we could, you know, just go 
the next the day. The next day, the post office was open. But I was like, no, I, I, like they shoved it in there. I want to get it out. I was happy you helped me uh, get it out of there. So thanks, Jim H. That was very, very nice. And I want to mention Maynard's GoFundMe one more time. Maynard's been going through some health problems. He's been in and out of the hospital. His GoFundMe is linked in the show notes under most episodes, at least most recent episodes, at strangefamiliars.com. If you can help him out, please do. All right, we've got some monster stories here Mm -hmm. from the past. The first one is from 1794. What's the paper? It is from the Knoxville Gazette, and the article is entitled, A Monster. Mm. Keeping in mind that in the old script, I will stumble through this and put Fs where there really should be Ss. Yeah, it always looks like they're using Fs for Ss. So if... If I seem to be stumbling more than usual. Yes. I think this is reprinted in an Irish paper, isn't it? Yeah, it's from the Northern Star from Belfast. In February last, a detachment of mounted infantry commanded by Captain John Beard penetrated 15 miles into the Cumberland Mountains. On Coe Creek, Ensign MacDonald and another man in advance of the party as spies discovered a creature about three steps from them. It had only two legs and stood almost upright, covered with scales of a black, brown, and a light yellow color in spots like rings, a white tuft or crown on the top of its head, and it was about four feet high, a head as big as two pounds stone, and large eyes of a fiery red. It stood about three minutes in a daring posture, orders being given not to fire a gun except at Indians. Mr. MacDonald advanced, and struck at it with his sword when it jumped at least eight feet and lit on the same spot of ground, sending forth a red kind of matter out of its mouth resembling blood and then retreated into a laurel thicket, turning round often as if it intended to fight. The tracks of it resemble that of a goose, but larger. The Indians here report that a creature inhabits this part of the mountain of the above description, which by its breath will kill a man if he does not instantly immerse himself in water." Creepy. What the hell could that possibly be? I don't know. It's like spitting red caustic goo at people. The only thing I could possibly think of that kind of matches that description to an, to an extent are those vultures that throw up on people. Hmm. Because they would have two legs, would be much bigger than your average bird. Mm-hmm. And I imagine it's pretty toxic if you get that stuff on you. White tuft. I mean, that could be like the... Yeah. That's a good guess. I don't know. The ones around here that sit like on roofs could be like that. What would be the matter resembling blood that would come out of its mouth besides that? Yeah, I mean, that, no, that's a good guess. This is from the Daily Arkansas Gazette, January 31st, 1897. So we're jumping up like 100 years. Yeah. Mr. William Miller, the well-known businessman of the city, returned Friday from Seary County. Mr. Miller tells a marvelous story of the discovery of a hitherto unknown monster near the town of Blanco in Calf Creek Township. For some time, I have heard reports more or less vague of the presence of this animal, said Mr. Miller, but I placed no credence in the tales that were told. About two weeks ago, I was called to Blanco on important business, and I determined to investigate the matter thoroughly while I was there. 
Immediately upon my arrival at Blanco, I instituted inquiries, and I was amazed to find that the people of the whole township, and of St. Joe and Richland townships, were in a fever of excitement over what they called the Galro, which they described as a terrible animal which slaughtered cattle, horses, hogs, dogs, and cats, and the Palro, or Palrow, I don't know which way you say it, had terrorized the community for several months, but though numerous attempts had been made to capture it, all of them had proved unsuccessful. The animal would steal down from the mountains at night and commence his depredations. It's, it's just so hard to read. He would break into cow sheds and kill and devour the cows and calves. Several times he had been interrupted in his bloodthirsty work, but he always managed to escape, carrying one of his victims with him. I inquired why they called it the Palro, and was told that this was the awful cry it uttered when engaged in its devilish work. A youngster who resides in the neighborhood discovered the tracks of the galro while out rabbit hunting, and being alarmed at the ponderous size and peculiar shape, he fled in great consternation to a farm in use and notified the inmates of the presence of the tracks. We formed a posse, armed ourselves with shotguns and winchesters, and started in hot pursuit of the galro. We followed the tracks with utmost difficulty for several miles through the new-fallen snow until he disappeared at the river bank. The monster had evidently entered the river and thus escaped his pursuers. A diligent search was made of the river bank for a number of miles, which resulted in the discovery of an enormous cave which was so nicely concealed under a shelf of rock and so completely hidden by a thick clump of cedars that it had hitherto escaped the notice of the inhabitants of the country. The ground had been worn smooth from the water's edge to where the cave entered the rock, as though some ponderous body had been repeatedly dragged over it. We soon secured light wood torches, and nothing daunted, entered the cavern where we were confronted by a sight which made each particular hair stand on end like quills upon the fretful porcupine. As the flickering light of the pine knots illuminated the erstwhile darkness of the cave, casting our distorted shadows against the shaggy rock, there grinned at us countless skeletons and skulls of all kinds and sizes, many of them evidently those of unfortunate human beings, Ooh. while others seemed to have belonged to horses, sheep, hogs, dogs, and wild animals that had served a dainty repast for the galro for some time. We hastened out of the cave and concealed ourselves behind a large boulder to await the monster's homecoming. We had waited probably a half hour when we heard a ponderous splashing in the river as though a great stern wheel steamer was approaching, and the next moment a huge body of a sickly green hue dragged itself awkwardly out of the water and began wobbling its way toward the cave. Shall I attempt to describe it? Please do. Yeah, I think we're all going to say yes for that one. Its head was ponderous in size. Apparently the whole thing's ponderous. (laughs) A lot of ponderous. (laughs) And resembled somewhat that of a man, only two enormous tusks projected from under the lip. Its legs were short and thick and terminated into a webbed foot, which somewhat resembled that of a duck, only each toe was capped by a vicious-looking claw. Its body was covered with enormous scales, while along its back bristled a series of sharp horns, which came to an abrupt end near the root of the tail, and the tail was thin and long and was provided with a sharp bone at the end, which the galro could wield as a sickle, and when enraged would prove a formidable weapon." But just at this point, I got in the snapshot, which is printed with this article, with my Kodak, and then I gave the command to fire. The men fired in, a volley, and when the smoke cleared, we saw the monster writhing in the throes of death. He died hard. With his ponderous tail, he lashed down a couple of trees as large as my leg and also cut off the leg of a poor fellow named Tom Brennan, who was formerly a section hand on the Iron Mountain Railroad and last year worked on the section below Benton. 
Not wishing to see the monster suffer, I again gave the command to fire, and this volley ended the Galro's suffering. The enraged farmers then sprang upon the dead beast with their axes, and more in anger than sorrow, hewed him to pieces. I then immediately returned to Blanco, and the next day, having transacted my business, left for Little Rock. From a careful examination of the photograph, which I made of the monster I am convinced is a pachyderm, and is a combination of the Hyende and Rhinoceridae. I guess there's a scientific names for hyena and rhinoceros. These animals were supposed to have long since disappeared from the earth. Their remains are found in the Miocene formation. In all probability, this specimen was the last of its kind, and I regret very much that it was willed as it would have been of vast interest to scientists and would have afforded a rare opportunity for gathering trustworthy information as to the characteristics of prehistoric animals. I have, however, made arrangements for gathering its bones and for their shipment to the Smithsonian Institute at Washington. Isn't that one of the, like the tropes of everything? They're all it going is. to the Smithsonian. Yeah, it is. I mean, that sounds like a dinosaur, right? Like from what they're describing, like some kind of dinosaur. Yeah, because they're referring to it as some sort of like hyena, rhinoceros, with, elephant, but with scales and a, scales and, and like huge spikes on its back. Sounds and, like elephant tusks, and and this is just wandering around Arkansas. The question is, what happened to his photo of it? There's a drawing in the newspaper that was a very not good drawing <laughs> in the newspaper, but it says from his photograph. Mm. It's taken from his photograph, but it's... Uh, well, I'm sure it's how the Smithsonian just go online. They Most of their stuff is online. <laughs> right next to all the giant skeletons they mm-hmm. have. All right, we're going to move forward to 1904. Not as big a jump, this one. And uh, this is uh, from the New York Times, June 22nd, 1904. All right. Helmets battered and clothes torn by a Bronx, what is it? Acting Captain Wilson of the Bronx Park Police Station last night asked the superintendent of the zoological gardens to try to take into custody a big brown owl, which for the past three weeks has been scaring the policemen who are assigned to post 16, which is one of the most lonely posts in the gloomy old Bronx precinct. For many days, it was believed that a winged demon had deigned to hover over post 16, and the policemen who were assigned to duty there came into the old station in the Lorillard Mansion night after night with wonderful tales of what had happened on the Hoodoo Post. Policeman Patrick J. Hickey said it was the most horrid thing he had ever encountered. It's not an owl, said Hickey. It's a devil on wings. Sure, I know an owl when I see one, but no man has ever seen an owl with wings that are six feet wide. And it hoo-hoo's like a ghost in a graveyard, too, when it's not growling beneath its breath. Why, men, he's no owl, he's a devil, and I'm going to get transferred. (laughs) (laughs) And when Hickey was transferred, a German policeman was assigned to post 16. The German policeman had only been on the post one hour, one night, when he came running into the station house and shouted, I seen it. It had a stick on its claw, and it tried to smash my head, and when I ducked, it ducked too, until I had to run behind a tree while we were fighting. And I think it is supernatural. That's what I think. They do this all with a heavy fake Sherman accent in the paper, which I will not appropriate. But you could. I could. Because <laughs> I can do Colonel Clink. <laughs> <laughs> Just pretend he's Pennsylvania Dutch. Yeah. Then policeman Walter Kane was assigned to the hoodoo post, and he got a transfer in a hurry after the strange creature on wings had knocked his helmet off while patrolling the lane. Policeman Frank Campbell, who was sent to the Bronx section from a downtown Manhattan precinct, was on duty on post 16 only two nights when he encountered something strange that flew down from the trees and attacked him. He had not heard of the experience of the other men who had been on post 16, 
but when he entered the police station a few nights ago with his face scratched and his helmet battered in, he wrote out this report. Shortly before midnight, encountered a dark flying object with four legs and two wings. The beast attacked me. It was a beast, and I fought back. Has the resemblance of a tall, slim man at times, and at other times assumes the form of a mountain dwarf. A mountain dwarf? Yeah. Hmm. How can it be both a tall man and a, and a okay, I, and I don't know what a mountain dwarf is. Yeah, I mean, other than like in a, mythology, I mean, yeah. yeah. Last night, Julius Wench, who resides at Bronxdale, ran into the police station and shouted for help. He told Sergeant Appel, who was at the desk, that he had been attacked by something wild that yelled like a tiger. He said the strange thing had carried away a young woman who was in his company, and he asked for a police assistance. Policemen Ollett and Baker were sent to rescue the girl, and they found her running through the lane, screaming. She explained that a wild cat with wings had attacked her and had torn the feathers from her hat. The policeman went back to the station and reported that it was undoubtedly the big brown owl, which had been frightening strange policemen for the past three weeks. The acting captain notified the Bronx Park folks, and a squad of men were sent out to capture the thing at midnight. And that's it. You don't get to hear. <laughs> so what happened? I've... I don't know. What was it? <laughs> I don't know. Something weird. Mothman? It sounds, yeah, that was, that was what I was imagining. It was a Mothman-like thing? Odd. Very odd. They describe it as a devil with two eyes. Devil. Devil. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's our monsters from the past. Roundup. Before we get to my interview with Magnus, I want to thank our patrons. Thank you, patrons. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your support. If you like what we do and you'd like to get extra content, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All of our patrons get commercial-free versions of the weekly shows, plus full extra episodes. We do at least one a month. Often we do more than that. To check out all of the patron options, you can go to patreon.com slash strange familiars there's also an option to subscribe via apple podcast in a program there called patron of the strange and you will also get the commercial free weekly episodes and the bonus episodes there as well again to support us go to patreon.com slash strange familiars I'd like to welcome Magnus to the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. I wanted to get you on because we talk often about sleep paralysis and the things that happen around these these strange sleep events. And you have maybe a little different perspective than some of the people we have on otherwise. So I'm open to all the all perspectives and all answers. So I said, come on, let's talk about it. Oh, I'm really honored to be on here. Like, and I'm not a person that like, I'm relatively agnostic in a lot of things, but I'm still a believer. I, and everyone who's had their own experiences, I, I never want to take away from any of their stuff. Mm -hmm. But as 
I'm a person that has what you'd call is uh, hypnopompic hallucinations. It's a term you use. Uh, hypnogogic is the right before you fall asleep, you think you see something. And the opposite of that in the morning when you wake up, which a lot of times sleep paralysis and those sort of things kind of fall into. The scientific term for it is the hypnopompic hallucinations. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people that had that kind of growing up. And I still have it now, to be honest with you. I'm 45 now. And I was told once that's supposed to end when you're 35, but still goes spread to be strong. But the reason I thought it'd be interesting to talk with you is that I love listening to your show and I love listening to the various people on here telling their stories, but I'm not so much a huge, not that I'm an anti-believer in any of these sort of things, but I really approach a lot of stuff with a scientific mindset. And I thought maybe some of the other listeners listening in would like to hear another side of it too, that also kind of helped me understand what I was going through that Sometimes you see stuff in the morning, you know, it may not be a, a spirit or a, a thing, but also just the curse of having a creative brain and a human body in a chaotic world right now. So I figured I would jump in and kind of share my experiences with my morning wake up calls. So. Sure. Absolutely. And we can work in some of my theories as we go here. But I love to hear them. I love hearing about different people's theories, ideas. Yeah. I don't know what's going on either. I'm giving from my perspective and I love having a good conversation about topics like this, which is one of the things I like now, thanks to podcasts and the internet. Now we're touching on conversations that I really, I'm enjoying the human experience that you didn't get a chance to hear growing up or even hear about before. So I love hearing about different people's perspectives. So when did this start for you? I don't remember doing having this happen as a kid, but I do remember in my 20s starting to have these sort of moments. Now, uh, let me describe what happens to me. It used to happen frequently, once a week, if not a couple times a month. Now, maybe it's in the once every quarter. It's cut back a little bit just to... But I'm one of those people that when I wake up in the morning, if I, like, if I get kind of roused, something is happening there. I'm one of those people that when I open my eyes up for a split second or so, there is a person in the room. What I see is a fully formed person. They're wearing dark clothes from their neck down. I don't really see their bodies. I mean, their bodies are there, but I don't, they're not like wearing outfits or something else. It's not like a a flannel man or anything else in here. It's just, but a, a fully formed person is there in my room and and this is sounds weird. It took me many, many years to finally describe this to people without making me feel like I was kind of crazy. Huh. But I would open my eyes up and there'd be a person. Never, It's never the same person. It's been over the course of my life. I've never seen someone I've recognized. It's always been a new face, a different face. But for about a second or two, there is a person that is in the room, either at the end of my bed, side of my bed, looming over me, something else. And when I open my eyes up, they see me. They we lock eyes for a second. And the worst part of this whole scenario is, is when I suddenly realize they're there, they lean in it. They lean like a med from the waist down, just leaning as fast, just towards me. And that jars me awake so much that I will push myself back to my partner. I've almost shoved people off the bed because I react to it. Sure. Now, here's the thing. There's no sleep paralysis in this process. That was I, the next question. I have never, ever had not had my body you know, frozen. I've actually rolled over to find a person standing there and encounter that. So I have never had a sleep paralysis. The term paralysis is not what I encounter. Interesting. But what I do encounter is people. And I've had two people at a time. I had a, a tall man, probably in his 40s, with a young, like, blonde girl at the end of my bed once. I've had a very old looking woman 
And uh, mind you, I am a creative person. I have a design studio. I have a degree in visual communications. I rolled all my stats for visual. I'm not even good with music, I tell people. But I have a very creative, very visual brain. I do a lot of artwork. I paint. I make big sculptures. I'm currently working on murals at a, a science center and stuff. So I have a very visual brain. I Even when I was growing up as a kid, I've had my imagination was something went strong up until my 40s. As a little kid and teenager, I kept that sort of visual process. So I think there's a lot happening with my brain, but I've never had any sort of, like my body unable to move, never at all. Like I actually had, one of the last ones I had this past year, I rolled over, I literally turned my head from a pillow from facing one side and leaned and rolled over to the side of the bed where it's just at the edge, like six inches from the edge. And there was a person's face right at the edge of the bed with their hands on the edge like someone's excited to wake, like be there yeah. was six inches from my face. And it, it jarred me. Like I got goosebumps talking about it now because it startled the man, had a big beard. I can see his face. He was very happy to see me. He's one of the first people I think that actually seemed to be more emotive than some, <laughs> but I've literally grown up with having waking up with random people. And mind you, it's a handful of times. It's just that, you know, that pile of clothes that looks like something, my very visual brain sees it and really just puts an overlay. And I think it's my dreaming brain. The dreaming operating system is still working and my eyes are open. That's the best way I can describe it because I always had very visual. I have dreams that kind of bleed between the waking and the the sleeping state. Like I I have very intense visual dreams and stuff. So I, I always think of this. And that's why I want to come on and talk about it because I feel that there's a lot of creative people out there that may be waking up and seeing this stuff and maybe worrying their house is haunted or something else, but to let them know that this is also a condition of the human brain too that's happening, the hypno uh, uh, hypnopompic hallucinations that happen in the morning. Yeah. I've read at least a, a little bit of the scientific writing on sleep paralysis and these hypnopompic and hypnagogic illusions and stuff. And it's hard to argue. I mean, they yeah, totally. it does happen and it happens to a lot of people. Where I want to kind of dig into is, is that... Um, that Venn diagram with the huge crossover between people that have paranormal experiences that also have this and then mm-hmm. some other theories. But that said, like, if this is completely scientifically explainable and just a condition of the human mind, it's still really, really interesting and really, oh, I really compelling. It. Yeah. 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 I, and I believe, like, I do think that, like, it's, I'm not a skeptic in the sense I do not believe in stuff. Like I've been on ghost hunting teams for most of my life because I want to know the big questions out there. I gladly would ask, and I'm, that's where these conversations matter to me mm-hmm. because I want to know more and see what's happening. And I've had friends that swear that they've saw their deceased loved one at the end of their bed. And is that a hallucination? I don't know. I don't. I mean, that's that's their call. I would never say yes or no to that. If it brings, especially if it brings some comfort or whatever's going on. But I've had friends of mine that have seen woken to ghosts in their room that I 100% believe what they are telling me is what they see and what they believe. And I've encountered random things in my life that don't make sense. I've seen like shadow-like little things peeking around a corner. At I was on a, a ghost hunt, a live radio show, actually, a ghost hunt in Indiana, and I had saw random things. So I do feel that there's more to this world than I will ever understand. Mm-hmm. But I also, I decided to talk more about these sort of morning sort of things because my brain... I'm a logical guy. Like every once in a while, I'll be like, I sleep in a very dark room. How can I see a face if they're, if a person's really there, if I'm seeing something? Or, and one of the reasons I actually wanted to write you is because 
I used to think I could not tell what I was experiencing for a while. I couldn't tell if what I was seeing was something real, my own mind. And one time in my morning surprises, it was like probably like three or four in the morning and I kind of was stirred out of sleep and it had these big, huge, tall windows in the room. So of course the, the two windows between is going to be the darkest spot in the middle of the night. And when I opened my eyes up, what I saw was something that you kind of described on that one like smoke tentacle sort of, there was this dark, ominous thing there. And I reacted by grabbing a pillow and swinging at it. Like, and I, I kind of fully came to as I was in mid swing doing it. I kind of laughed at myself. I put a pillow over my face, kind of embarrassed suddenly being like, am I swinging at shadows now? I defending the girlfriend from a date, uh, a nighttime sort of hallucination, something else. So then my brain goes, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just imagining, maybe it's my creative brain doing something. You have seen what appear to be, and I'm just going to call them entities yeah, go ahead. shorthand, you know, yeah. whether they're creations of your mind or something that exists outside. Mm-hmm. You have seen entities that are other than human. Once. Just that's it. Okay. That, okay. That's the thing that made me question it because in all the years, like I would see him, how I stop this from happening is I sleep with a mask on. It gives me two seconds to wake up, but it's only like when I see these people, I've seen them all. Like I've encountered most people last for one, two, and then that's about it. Like two seconds. I can see them in the process. I had once or twice I've had someone linger. Like I kind of am aware they're still there. Like I had a woman once, a very old woman crawling, like climbing up over the end of my bed. And I saw her and it was a solid three seconds. That extra second really made a difference, I have to say. Interesting. Uh, and I was like, no, I actually woke up. I said, and if I, I, I'm awake when it's happening. Like I get jarred and I kind of spur myself, but I, I yelled no. Cause like, no, that's not legal. You're not supposed to linger more than a second or two. <laughs> I felt like, like this is cheating. Here's the rules here. But <laughs> I have encountered people all of my life from at least like my 20s. And I don't remember the teens. I really don't have much memory, but I came, grew up in a really kind of house that had its own little ghostly stories, uh, which is ty- for another another day. So I grew up in a house that always had some sort of spark about it that felt like there's some weird stuff happening in there. It wasn't until I got kind of older that I started noticing this sort of stuff happening. But yeah, I kind of saved myself by having a mask I wear on now. So I have a sleep mask that it just gives me a chance when I wake up, I, I'm staring at black and I kind of pull my mask off and Whatever would have been has since he shuffled off. If it's a ghost, I've, they've missed their opportunity. If it's my own brain, I've given a chance to get through it that way. Have they ever spoken to you? No, I have never heard a sound. They are as silent as the room is. And their faces, they've never been mad. They've never heard anything else. They are as happy. They're not happy. They're as surprised to see me as... I think I am sometimes like they're like, like he notices me like that face that you would make if you suddenly get noticed by someone for yeah. like the first time, that's the face they make. And they're like excitedly, not overly excited, but they, they clearly, there's never a malintent. There is nothing that way, but never made a sound, never heard them. I've never had any audio, like audio sort of like hallucinations or anything that way. It's all a visual source. Have you ever felt like the, if they are leaning on the bed or anything, have you ever felt the weight of them on the bed? No, I don't think so. Because I had once one that I opened my eyes up and they were standing on the bed, like someone's full height looking down at me like they were standing on the bed. And I don't remember them being like a weight on the bed. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's been a lot more of a visual component of this. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. I'm just wondering because mine have always involved paralysis and- Tell me more about Polanski. Like you are locked in, you can move your eyes, but that's it. Or? Yes, but there's there's a weird 
almost out of body component to it because you sort of have more range of vision than you should mm. as well as ability to see in the dark so if someone's going to argue oh you know maybe it is a dream for those reasons i don't know my feeling with them has always been there's big dreams right these meaningful symbolic dreams there's little dreams they're just you're just processing the stuff from the day and then there's these at least for me which feel very separate and one of the markers of them often is whenever it's done there's not a period where I'm waking up or groggy. I'm just sitting up if I'm sitting up in bed awake or I'm I'm just awake. You know, there's no waking up period. It's just it ended, whatever the experience was. Yeah, that's mine. I'm not like I suddenly open my eyes up like it's a false awakening, something else. I am startled and sometimes will throw a pillow over my face or just roll over. I'll close my eyes because something is coming at me. I react in the way that like someone's throwing a baseball at you. Uh-huh. I close my eyes and I'm, I'm expecting something to hit me as it's rushing. Like it is jarring to have someone like lean forward at you at a rate. It is, but I've never been sleep paralysis. And that's what I find it interesting. My wife is right here. I want to ask her a question as regards to her flannel mat. Were you in sleep paralysis at all when you saw them or were you able to wake up and move? I don't think it was sleep paralysis though. I've had times where I've been stuck, uh-huh. like where I think it was in sleep paralysis, but not then. Okay. I woke up and I didn't know there wasn't any way out. Like he was at the foot of where we were sleeping. So. Fine, yeah. But you said he looked surprised too. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when she saw her flannel man, he was at, standing at her feet. She woke up. She wasn't in paralysis, but she said similarly, he looked surprised. Like, how can you see me? Kind of thing. That's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to write. I should give a shout out. I work with a woman named Rachel and she introduced me to your show. We drove back from Buffalo from a, we did a photography gig and she was giving me a rundown and the flannel man and those sort of things of this entity that seems kind of aware. And yeah, it was, they're surprised to see me is one of the weirdest things. I tell the story to one of my best friends and he thinks his statement is that it's like, there's a whole other universe that I, that I'm able to look into and it's just, I'm seeing people that are like, Hey, Who's that guy? They're like, they're seeing me on their side, like this random floating head or something else. I don't even know what he thinks it is, but right. he feels that I'm seeing someone else and they're equally as surprised to see me. I so. mean, it almost, you know, kind of feels that way sometimes. So I guess I'll go back to other than the fact that there's no scientific evidence. These people yeah. aren't leaving things behind footprints in your carpet or marks or, or anything like this. They're not speaking to you. Is it just the fact that that's it, that you're just saying, well, no, this is a dream, or are you just simply going back to Occam's razor? Like, there's no proof that it isn't a dream. Like, what makes you feel that this is simply this hypnopompic dream as you're waking up? Well, I think everyone has experienced those hypnagogic ones where at night you're starting to fall asleep and you think you see something, like something moves and you think it's like uh, something in the corner of your eye, Mm -hmm. you think you've seen something. So everyone is like experience these sort of feelings. So I feel like the waking and experiencing that way at least can kind of play that way there. But I think one of the reasons why I think it falls into this hallucination, these visions, I, words hallucination is a really rough word, I feel like. Yeah. It's just an overactive brain sometimes. And one of the reasons why I think it, and this may be a little bit more into my story here, I guess. In my course of my life, I've had some dreams. It's one of those dreams where I feel myself waking up and one of the weird things in my dream, I always had this weird kind of fun skill set when I was really young or in my 20s. If I didn't like a dream, I could like restart a dream. 
I'd restart a dream by just like, and I could never control a dream. I just would reset it. But when I would reset the dream, there'd be a moment where it would go to this big white room. Like things would vanish like the holodeck from Star Trek a bit. And I would suddenly be back in there. And there's this moment where there's a white room that I've seen. The reason I'm saying this right now is to describe this phasing out of, and that's, so one time, this is one of the dreams I had. And this is, this is the part where that Venn dagger of me waking up and the dreams happening. I can feel the daylight hitting me in the face as I'm dreaming. I'm not aware. It's not like a, this is not a dream where I'm aware of myself, but the dream starts fading away and I know I'm waking up. And as and the distance fades away, the, the things around me fades away. But the only thing that left is the seven or eight people that were in the dream. And these weren't people I knew either, but the room turns white and all the people are still there. And their outfits are white, like from the neck down, exactly opposite of what I see at daylight. There from the neck down, I can see their hands, everything else. And they're staring at me. And the one person looks at me and goes, don't wake up because when you wake up, we won't exist anymore. That was the thing I woke up to. And I, to this day, still feel like I let someone down. Like I was, I was upset and it was very much this. And that's, I mean, they they were speaking to me hundred percent words. And that's the same sort of vibe I feel like that those people, those characters for wherever they were, those subjects, people, you know, in my dream that were talking to me right before I woke up in that white room, the last characters of the storyline were like kind of not pleading with me, but very much telling me bluntly that this is what's going to happen. I feel like that sort of dream state, that heavy duty thing where my brain is still processing that is kind of still happening. Like the, the guy who runs the machine hasn't pulled the lever to turn the dream state off yet. Yeah. So as my eyes open up, that's what I feel like's happening to me. And wow. you know, for good or for bad, that's how, I've had that multiple times where I'm, as I'm waking up, the characters in the dream are still kind of aware of what's happening and they see me as the dreamer and they are kind of, there's a state of non-dreaming that white room for whatever it is. And I feel like sometimes when I wake up, the characters are also surprised that they're in a room as well, like my living room or my bedroom or whatever it may be I wake up in. Right. So. Right. Almost like and maybe you're shifting them as you're shifting conscious from dream to waking state. You're shifting them with you, at least for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Whatever they may be. Like I said, that yeah. person, I got goosebumps Stop talking about this. This is how much it actually affects me. The people that told me in the dream, I don't know who they were. Like I, I could describe them. I'm an illustrator. I could draw the people I see. Like I'm not very good, but I mean, like I'm. But I can like the faces. I can. People always say you don't don't see uh, new faces in dreams. I see new faces all the time. I see them when I wake up, and that's uh, jargon up as it is. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff like people say about dreams that I find like I'm told you can't read in dream. I've I've read in many dreams. It's, if I've had a, I had a billboard. I once I read a billboard in a dream. Clear as day. I tell yeah. you now, it was this big castle thing talking about it. It was like an advertisement. I'm like, am I getting an advertisement in dreams now? <laughs> so, uh, Google yeah. dream ad technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ever see what the there's a, a great movie called The uh, Strawberry Mansion, where it's all about dreams and getting advertisements. Dream came out a year or two ago. Get a chance. If you like movies? Check that out. It's a great mm-hmm. movie. I will. And that's why you get it. I'm, I'm so glad to talk to you because you understand what I was trying to say that. Those people in the dream that they feel like they are their, they're a thing unto themselves, not from me. They're their own characters playing whatever they may be. But that energy, those entities that were in the dream, that is how I feel when they wake up for that split second or two or three when I have those awkwardly long ones. That's why I, for a while, I, I grew up in a religious household, not too religious, but I grew up with like, you know, I call it recovering Catholic, I tell myself. <laughs> 
So it took me a while to understand if I was seeing things, if there were spirits or there were people, because I didn't feel like they were someone that I had known or someone I was making up because I would just open my eyes and there'd be a new person. Mm -hmm. Like there was two very short, like Hispanic men in my room. I'm currently now uh, a month or two ago, I rolled over and they were standing at the, the door. Just like there, they didn't do anything. They're just like, kind of like they were, they actually were one of the least excited to see me. They're kind of like stoically look at me. And then I, it startled me so much that I rolled over, I covered a pillow over my face and was like, no, that was caught me off guard. It, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I love having these conversations and you have been very forward in sharing your aspects and your experiences of it. So the chance to talk about this is really something I'm very excited about. Even if it boils down to this is just our minds doing this really incredible, right? This It's a really incredible thing. It's like when I talk about the ghost box stuff and people say, oh, it's just, it's just you. You're doing that. I'm like, okay, that's really cool though, right? Yeah. If I'm getting yeah, yeah. what I call hits, like, like answers that make sense, I'm influencing it. This is important and we should kind of pursue this as well. You know, if it's not an outside entity, to me, it's still pretty interesting. But I had uh, the ghost box thing, a quick side tangent. Sure. I had talked to a guy recently and his take. So I, I actually help out some groups here still. I, I love EVPs bother me in a great sort of way. You know what I mean? Like a disembodied voice because I see stuff. I guess I don't hear stuff. But we were talking about ghost boxes and spirit boxes and that sort of things. And he is a person. He's Buddhist. And he kind of came and his understanding, his, his take on some of these things is that there is the the flow of the uncanny in the universe that like random numbers and random generators, everything else that he uses a spirit box. He starts asking random things, not even about the moment. If you ask a random thing and an answer happens, the happenstance of that happening, like if you just say two plus two, else in the, the spirit box says four. Well, that and his his belief is that he uses the spirit box when the he calls it the uncanny. Mm-hmm. As as randomness decreases, the chances of uncanny can uh, increase. So he thinks that those spirit boxes and these sort of just random things, like the the veil gets thinner or the chance of seeing a spirit is there. Not that the spirit is talking through a spirit box or whatever mm-hmm. stuff. Is that using the spirit box detects a chance for like the the less randoms are happening. That That's there's super a, interesting. That's super interesting. So he uses, and which is great, he uses technology and understanding of this is a chance, like when this is happening, that there's a, a chance for a spirit to talk, not through this, but listen or whatever it may be. So. Right, right. So my theory, and it's, it's kind of difficult to explain, my theory is whatever, if there is an other presence, if it's us affecting it, like I said, to me, that's still very cool and I'm still willing to explore that. But mm-hmm. if there is a, an external entity, they're sitting outside of time and they have a limited number of things to choose from to, to, with which to answer. So, you know, it's just scanning through radio stations. Mm-hmm. So they're looking ahead. Basically, time means nothing to them. They're looking ahead and they're saying, okay, I can grab this, the end of this guy's sentence, the first word of the chorus of that song and the uh, middle of the, that sentence, the, the news guy saying on that channel. And make a kind of answer because you'd never get, you rarely get perfect sentence answers. Yeah. 
you get these things as like, whoa, that makes sense, but it was phrased oddly. So that's my only idea of like how it could work is if something else is sort of sitting outside of time and they're able to kind of look ahead and say, okay, we're going to, we're going to choose this, this, and this as the answer. I don't know. That's why I like my buddy's theory. The uncanny is that the grand scheme of the universe is kind of at play in this one, where those words that are being said now, you are a player. Your questions were also set mm-hmm. for the radio was spoken or you have thought about it, that you, when you're saying this and the answer is happening, shows that there's a moment where there's like a synergy, for lack of a better term, and not a 90s marketing term. Right, but right. there is a synergetic moment happening that shows that random random things are happening right now. Now is an opportunity. And that's why it's funny. I went on a ghost hunt with him. They'll start asking random questions. Like he is like, just whatever spikes, you know, spikes his fancy, you know, like what's my favorite day of the week or what's the, he'll start asking bizarre questions. And his thought is that, that he's trying to find those moments. Like he thinks that like random number generators, if you can study those, if those sort of things happen. Well, I mean, there's uh, some really interesting, like if you look at the random number generators around 9-11, really interesting and scary stuff. I'm a very scientific minded person, but I always give room for the wonder, the the unusual and those things, because those, I mean, they're not anecdotal evidence. There's data showing bizarre things happening that just seem, well, that's just not normal. That's why I love these shows. I've enjoyed listening to your shows and people coming on. It helps me understand that there is so much more to question, to ask about. And I may never know the answer I, is what I would love to know. I, I want to know everything about everything, but mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. But that's why my conversations flow well. Yeah, I suspect we don't get to solve the puzzle, but my hope is that maybe we get to lay in like a new piece or two. And then, mm-hmm. you know, over time uh, we can, you know, help in that aspect of it. But yeah, I, d- I don't expect to have any part of it figured out before I'm leaving this planet. Well, I'm not overly religious anymore. I'm not quite sure what happens after we shuffle off the modal coil. But if I can get a chance to find out all the answers at the end of it, man, I'm, I'm down for that. Like, what did that mean? Oh, is this? Oh, that sounds great. My God. See, I don't even so, have that. Cop. My gut says, and I, I am like, I'm, I'm back to the church now. I'm, I'm, I'm fully going to you know mass every Sunday. But my feeling still is that I will die and I will be left with more questions. My gut's just telling me like, yeah, we don't ever get the answer. Like if we continue yeah. beyond, there's it's just going to be like more questions, but we might, you know, ho- hopefully. Well, I'm- I mean, that's, if, if you have infinity to figure out all the questions, that sounds like a pretty good life to live, an afterlife to live, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. I, I am unfortunately one of those people, the older I get, like I said, I, I'm rooting for it. My brother is a person has a Bible in his pocket. I want him to be right. I feel it'd be a great experience and all that stuff at the end, but Right now, I, I understand that before I existed in this world, there was oblivion, and after this world, there may be oblivion for me as well. But I'm trying to make the most of you know this time now. Like I always tell people, there's there's a stone currently in this world right now that's existing that at some point will have my name and two dates on it and a dash in the middle. That stone exists right now. It's somewhere in this planet. There's a stone that will have my name on it and have this machine, this meat machine processing, all these cool questions will be there. And I'm trying to make the most of that little dash as I can find out as much as I can, because I really appreciate this machine I'm in. I, I try, really try to live in the now, try to be very aware of the gift that is the present time in this thing, talking to cool people, like a chance to chat with you about this topic. That's wonderful. My gosh. And so I'm trying to fill that little dash as much <laughs> as I can. So. Well, speaking of that, if you could have your consciousness downloaded into a machine, would you do that? 
if I am, if I am at the end, like I don't like right now, somebody asked me to like, just to transfer myself in and I end right now, I got a long time to run. I mm-hmm. think I, but at the end of the time, I will gladly give a chance. Like if I'm going to check out, you can download stuff on there. I would give it a shot. I think it'd be an interesting time. I mean, unless I come back as the, uh, the robot that kills everyone, I have to have that, <laughs> you know, like so. Terminator. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think I'm just, I'm just ready to shuffle off. Whatever, oh yeah, whatever happens happens after this. Oh man, I I really would love to. I'm having a blast at this ride, and if I have a chance, I'm also one of those guys going to donate my body to science probably because I want to know as much as I can. I want others to learn as much as I can. If you could download me, I I right now I don't believe you can. So I think it'd be like eh, whatever. But if it'd be interesting, interesting. I mean, for science, I would try to do that. I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe it will work, and I get a chance to be the the voice on a starship for the next you know millennia or something else so <laughs> somebody's jarvis yeah, exactly <laughs> that'd be a really weird jarvis not gonna lie it'd, it'd be a fun ride but <laughs> so would you be open to experimenting with these visions that you see in other words would you be open to initiating a conversation with them i know you only have a couple seconds but would you be open to saying like hey what's your name or something something that you could ask quickly yes I think I would. And I would love to have any of your audience or anything else. I'll give you my, my socials. People want to write to me or something else. I'll gladly take suggestions or how to. Like, if there is more to these faces I see, like full bodies, if, if I could get more out of it, I would try it. The trouble is it's so jarring. Right. That's the thing. Right. It's, like, I am not cognizant for the first two seconds. It's me just being a very scared monkey, like mm-hmm. throwing a pillow or something else. But if I could, I would love to try to do some more of that so I don't know. Is there? Do you have tips and tricks you could think I should try? No, because people have suggested that I try to interact with these grays and things, and I'm I'm having no part of it. I'm ending it the as soon as I can. Now I I can end it now with the hail mary, which is a whole other discussion. But I will end it immediately as to any hint of it coming on. I will end as it's done mm-hmm. because I've had a contentious relationship with those things, so I'm not very fond of them. So. The other thing is I tend to believe, right? So if I'm in a dream, my wife can occasionally lucid dream because she says she'll just realize like something will be wrong. She'll be like, oh no, this isn't right. I'm in a dream. And then she can kind of move into lucidity from that. With me, it's never like that. I'm just so ready to believe in everything that happens. So it's like, oh, Bigfoot sleeping in my sister's room. That sounds right. That's fine. As so, yeah, I'm living back on the farm, I grew up on and Bigfoot's asleep in my sister's room. Nothing odd about that, you know? I <laughs> So, it's a, it's a, a curse and a blessing to be a good believer that like you, you're, you're open for stuff. And that's probably me as well. It takes a lot for me to be a lucid dreaming as well. Like it, the last time I lucid dreamed, it was, I was at my parents' house and I looked out the front door and there was an ocean in front of it. And that was so like, there's no ocean there. Hmm. Oh, I'm dreaming. And I know when I, the moment I have lucid dreaming, I have maybe two or three seconds before I, because the moment I can become lucid, I, I wake up. I'm like, oh, I'm dreaming. I should be awake now, I guess. And uh, I, I had a decision quick. I'm like, how can I prove I'm lucid dreaming? I'm going to fly. So I literally took off, flew up in the air. And right before I woke up, I actually snapped myself. I actually got flow, like flung into space. That's what my last thought was because I was kind of falling back into sleep, kind of waking back up, the same sort of struggle. I was recently told there is a thing called, it's an African plant called a dream nut i think it has like a type of it's legal it's not a, a you can buy it on etsy i guess and there was a person i was talking to about it and she takes it she mixes it into a tea or whatever it was and it helps them with lucid dreaming it's an interesting plant i have i should get the latin name for you i can try to find it for you but they suggested i try to do that and see if 
staying in a lucid dream state and waking up, like try to wake yourself up in the morning when it's still dark out, if I can maybe linger a little longer in the morning, if, if that will help that the dreaming process is still running, why not fuel it with some sort of natural plant that helps lucid dreaming and wake yourself up a little bit or some sort of stir yourself? Yeah. So, which I may try. If I do this, if I play mad scientist with myself and try to figure out how to talk to these people, I'll let come back on and let you know my research. Yeah, that's, <laughs> go. that's what I would ask is just to see what happens because if you start getting information or if that extends the period where they're there, we're still going to be in the same place. You might still say, well, it's just my mind. And I might say, well, it might be, but it might be your mind plus, you know, there might be two things going on here. And I'm actually that sort of person. I, I don't want people to think that I'm being like a skeptic in a way that I dismiss what's happening. I was I figured I'd come on to talk about this because it was something that was slightly bothering me that realizing that there's a natural process that's happening. And this may be the natural process that we're happening is what you use to connect more with. I mean, maybe the, the tools, what I'm using right now is a tool to do something else with. But I wanted people to come, like, listen, if other listeners happen to be someone who is a little more on the skeptical side that is seeing this sort of stuff and nervous that you're just not alone. There is scientific things that do happen. The hypnopompic and hypnagogic hallucinations and visions you have is something that happens. So you're not not alone. You're not crazy. You're not losing your mind. There is a very interesting part of a very creative brain that is wonderful in a skull that doesn't know what's going on that is there. So I have part of my thing I want to drive home is that I'm not skeptical. I'm agnostic at best, but I also want people to know that they're not like, you're not crazy. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. So that was part of the reason. But yeah, if I could use this, if this is like an antenna you can tune into that for a second, like if you can hold the person I'm staring at for a second to like, hi, and just have them like, hello back to me. That's awesome. The trouble is, like I said, have someone lean at you quickly when you're waking up. And right. See how fast you want to talk to them. Right. And that's it. it yeah. It's dark. I describe this to people and I'll I'll stand next to my like the person telling the story. I'm like, okay, this is how close I am. And then just would lean at them. And they move back. I'm like, and you saw me coming. I was telling you it was gonna happen. Try waking up at like six in the morning and having this, uh, you know. So I now work for myself so I control when I can fall asleep and wake up. So I I don't wake up. I think it would happen more frequently than it work for other people because I have to get up in the morning. So I, w- I was never restful in the morning because I'm worried I'm going to like oversleep. So the last hour before I, f- I fully got to wake up, I think I'm kind of stirring a lot. So I'm in and out of dream states and mm-hmm. I'm opening my eyes up because like, oh God, did I oversleep? So I'm jarring myself awake and my dream brain still going all of a sudden. Like, and the thing is, I don't remember the dream before. Like I'm so woken up that I don't remember what I was dreaming right before. I mean, like I don't have a direct connection that, like right before I woke up, I had a dream of a guy and a there's a, a daughter and they're at a trees or something else. And I wake up and this guy and a daughter standing there, like just something they're ripped out of the, the movie scene and plunked into my room. I don't have any connection that way to think that's what's happening. But right. If right. if I could somehow figure out connect these, I'm all for it. If so, if any listeners, if you want to write in, if I write to you, please feel free to write, message me with it. If you think of ways of connecting, if if I should test more or whatever it may be, I'm always down for science. It, even if I'm going to turn into some sort of, you know, uh, scary story afterwards, but <laughs> we'll know what not to do, I guess. Be on no sleep Reddit. <laughs> so one of my current theories, and again, these are just theories, you know, you, mm-hmm. and once again, I say this and this applies to your theories, 
kind of leaning more on the, we'll call it the scientific side, scientific explanation, as it does to anyone else's theories. I want people to interpret their own experiences. So I put more weight on what you feel it is than someone else going, well, no, he's experiencing ghosts from dimension X that are trying to contact him about, you know, his cousin Lou or whatever. It's like, no, what what do you feel they are? And so I'll always put more weight on what the witness themselves, you know, feels and thinks about these things than, than anyone else. But in regards, and mine has mostly to do with sleep paralysis. So I, the experience you're having, the closest thing I've had to that was I woke up one night and I was actually fully awake and walking to the bathroom and saw a full-bodied, I'm going to call it an apparition, that shocked the heck out of me, like literally made me jump back and then it was gone. So hmm. now I have been in houses. I had one of my ex-girlfriends, we're still friends now, but she had a house that I would I would say is haunted. And it's funny, I've never thought about it. If I got up and walked to the bathroom and then saw a person that caught me off guard, I don't know if I would lock, think what I saw was what I was seeing. In the, I'd probably think it was a ghost. I would think it was like, that was a spirit. Like mm-hmm. me getting up and having a pee doesn't, shouldn't change what I may be having. But yeah, that's an interesting. So you saw this person, you saw a person. I saw jump- a full body person standing there. And it literally made me jump backwards. I was like, whoa, because I thought somebody was in the house. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, just gone, just went away. So, yeah. But in any case, what I was getting to is mostly in terms of sleep paralysis, my current feeling is that it's sort of a it's kind of a both and thing in that people go into sleep paralysis probably for natural medical reasons, but that the other somewhere goes you know, so like that sends up a signal and they're like, Ooh, well, there's somebody we can mess with. And I they're, see it. They're yeah, yeah. drawn to those people for that reason. But I think sleep paralysis has, is part of that equation, you know? So I feel like it applies less to your situation. I've been fortunate that I think whatever my body is, my body wakes up quickly. My body will wake up. And I'm one of those people that I don't wake up groggy either. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may be a little bit now that get a little older, but I'm one of those people that if I had to get up, I could alarm goes off, I can get up and walk, get up and walk right away. Like ready to go. My body's ready to roaring to go. Brain, maybe not so much. I don't know. But I don't know. It's such a interesting way to to be. Like the, I mean, clearly the body paralysis while sleep is very much needed because I've had dreams where I'm running or something else. I don't need my body to be you know, running and kicking and, you know, right. I mean, and they've done studies. They had, uh, there was a sleep study they did with cats where they did, they went into the brain, unfortunately, and cut part of the uh, brain that, that would disengage the body during sleep paralysis. And the cat, you can watch the videos of the cat will stand up sleeping and start milling about like the body, the part of the brain that says we're walking made the body start walking yet. It was still sleeping. So there's clearly reasons why you don't want to have a sleeping machine walking around without the cognitive part going around. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. The sleepwalking so, like, can be a real problem. Well, my, my brother, it's funny thing is my brother's a sleepwalker. My brother was a guy that we would, I remember one time we heard the door close. I get up and he's walking back in the house. Like he, we don't know how far he went. He had wet feet. He was, uh, you know, he would stroll about. He's a big guy too. He's like me. He's Bill, like a linebacker. And like, he's a guy that he walked down the hallway once and knocked the door off a frame without even waking up. Like he, broke the door wow. like one of those hinge doors for the like laundry 
he just was walking like, okay, we got to steer you back to bed. And he just kept walking, like didn't smash through it like he's running. He just had enough force. He broke the thing right off, just kept on moving, never woke up. So wow. I can see, but so yeah, my brother is a, he's a sleepwalker. He kind of a sleep talker, I guess too, but I do not, I never had that, but I have the other side of that coin, mm-hmm. I guess, the waking up. But. Interesting. So I don't know if you heard it. We did a show. It's been a while back, a couple of years with a fellow who wrote a book, who wrote a book called Nightmare Land. And no, I did not know this one. it really gets into all the strangeness that happens while we're sleeping from lucid dreams to shared dreams to these false awakenings. I don't know if you've ever had those. Oh, I've had, yeah, where I, plenty of times I've woken up, got ready for work, then woken up again, feeling yeah. like I just robbed myself. But I mean, what a great way for the brain to be like, okay, listen, we got to let him sleep. Let's give me another five seconds or so. Let him think he woke up. Oh, another five seconds. But right. so yeah. the, the, so this is the book, huh? This is he's talking about? Nightmare Land, yeah. It's, it's got all kinds of stuff. You, you might find it very interesting. I, I found it very, very interesting because he, he delves into all these different aspects of, you know, from sleep paralysis to, like I said, lucid dreaming, et cetera, et cetera. I definitely recommend it. It's a really good book that, that kind of touches on all these things and leans more to the to the scientific, I think. But he, he is, you know, definitely leaves room for weird stuff happening as well. I love leaving a little bit of room for the weird, but I'm also like, you know, in all of humanity, we always had this, like there's a sound in the woods or something spooky. We call it a ghost or a witch or something else. Mm-hmm. Okay. In a movie, I'm going to be the first or second to die. Maybe the first, probably the second. <laughs> I, I'm really like, I'm going to go investigate this guys. Good luck. You know, learn from my death if you can. But <laughs> I have always been a curious person. I will put myself into a scenario to learn more if I can. And that's why I, why I reached out to you, why I want to talk more on these sort of yeah. topics. These yeah. things are... Like I said, I have no idea what's going on. And I'm much like you. If, if from your perspective, what you say has happened, I don't doubt that like, it's your, the weight that you tell me that that's your, your story, your, your side of it. It's, I don't discount any of the people saying these things, whatever they believe to believe is, but it's definitely been a thing. And like, I've been told like, oh, you'll grow out of it. And it has gone less as I got, and I'm 45 now. So but in my 30s, it was not week, yeah, almost weekly for early 30s, maybe on. And like, it still happens enough that I just wear a mask to to cut out these sort of experiences. But I'm a big proponent. Like, there is something going on in the brain that I've encountered stuff. I have learned things or figured out stuff via dreams with other people and stuff that I shouldn't have known that have been that way. So there is definitely more to the brain than that. Like I am not hardcore science guy. I'm not a guy who discounts the wonders of what may be in our universe and our, the human body and the spiritual nature. Like I know there's more to me than this meat machine running around. There's, there's other aspects that I, I hope to understand at some point in my life, but that only comes about by talking about it, learning about it, hearing other people's stories, listening to them. I, without judging, that's how yeah. we learn, how we grow. So yeah. Well, my uh, hope is that you'll be able to implement the, some of these experiments and try to try to make contact with these people. If I see, if you ever hear from me again, maybe it did. I don't know if I. All right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but I'll put a note down. If I somehow, if I am found dead one morning, I'll, <laughs> I'll put a little a, a to do list, a note for one of my assistants, being like, "Let Timothy know that he may have made contact, or they killed him. We'll, we'll figure it out." <laughs> or maybe you could just leave a note for these entities. Maybe, they, yeah, maybe, maybe they'll bring you something back. Oh, man, we'll see. We'll see. I'll put a whiteboard next to the bed. We'll see how this works. Out. Yeah, just with a little like, like if you can read this, you know, say hi or something. Yeah, yeah. Just like nod your head or something else. Because they, they don't move a whole lot. Like there's their bodies are there. Like the woman who was climbing, I saw her arms moving. Like she was at the end of the bed, 
moving her arms like you would be in a horror movie. That's a better term, but like climbing towards me up the bed. The person that was right near the side of my bed had their hands right near and their fingers were like, like, like someone was excited to be like, oh, you're awake. Like, yeah, was there. It was very much the funny guy had like a kind of scruffy beard, kind of like looked like a pirate, not like cartoon pirate, but just someone who hasn't like disheveled hair and beard and stuff that way. Very close. And they're like, there's not like uh, black eyes. They're people. They are 100% just different faces, different heads, different full bodies. They're not like floating through. And the moment it is, they startle me so much when they move that when I open my eyes up they're they're gone. But mm-hmm. I react to it. Like I have a form of tachycardia. I, I have a erratic heartbeat that I've been in hospitalized multiple times from it. I've like been like my heart stopped because it wouldn't stop something else that way. So I've had random that it startled me so much that I've had a reaction that my heart kicks on that I like can't slow down. Like it goes for a full minute, 10 minutes, whatever it may have been. It was a long time. Uh, this like rapid heartbeat because it startles me so, so much. It's jarring. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So hopefully I'll be able to communicate with these folks and not scare the shit out of me again. Yeah. Not to swear. Try the whiteboard. That might be even more. Try the whiteboard. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, try the whiteboard. Just say like, it's, you know, maybe say, say uh, you know, wave high or something. Mm-hmm. I maybe should sit, should I try intentions at night before going to sleep? If they're like, you know, but I, I, much people have always offered me different opinions. I had one friend that they, they're a big proponent that you, before you go to sleep, say three times what you want to happen. And they think if I say three times to talk to them, I should try it out. So maybe I'll try, listen to these advice. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? If any of your listeners have, have listener, uh, have advice, please. I'd love to take it. Like they haven't got me yet. And they're definitely jarring at me. It said, aside from that one time seeing something that was like darkest, blackest thing I ever seen, these like. Cthulian sort of moments there that one moment that really that was one of the weirdest things I've never it was true a hallucination I feel like it was truly a thing that my brain wherever I was seeing was clearly there scary it scared me enough I had a pillow over my head for a second thinking that what I was there was real and I was like waiting for something to get me then my, my brain fully woken up being like I think you're a dummy right now and it was <laughs> suddenly being like oh you poor little man oh my gosh so was that the uh, one you swung the pillow at? Was that? Yeah, yeah. I literally, I put my hand over the girlfriend and leaned over, full on, grabbed the pillow from behind my head and swung it, like I was trying to strike at it there. Which made me feel really good that to know that my initial reaction for Cthulian horror trying to kill me is to lunge with a pillow. Like I, I didn't, I didn't roll over. I was gonna go out fighting with a very comfortable pillow. So. Right. Well, hey, you never know. Yeah. Ah, oh, gosh, I know, but down is is the uh, the doom of Cthulhu. <laughs> Take this comfort, yeah, 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 yeah. So, Magnus, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us. You know where we are. If you do any of these experiments and anything cool happens, I'd love to hear about it. Well, well, thanks for having me on, and thanks for letting me share and let people know that whatever's happening, there is a little bit of a scientific reason behind it, and they're not alone. I see it. I don't think I'm crazy. Uh, I think I'm definitely. I experience stuff, but I don't know what or why or how or any of those things yet so if i do learn any more i'll let you know sounds great have a good night this come all the way from egypt No, actually, just an auction. (laughs) (laughs) Deep from the depths of a pyramid.
Yeah. Does it have an exotic mummy's curse on it? I mean, you might want to wash it off. <laughs> <laughs> this is a scarab. I guess it's a paperweight. Yeah, I can't imagine another purpose for it. It would it would do that really effectively because yeah. it weighs a lot for its yeah. size. Scarab paperweight made of, uh, I guess, marble? Yeah, I think it's white marble. That's pretty cool. He's not insignificant. I think it's one of the larger scarabs I've seen. Yes, yes. It made enough noise where I interrupted you by just sitting it down <laughs> on the table while you're trying to speak. This will be our curiosity of the week. Someone out there must want a, a marble scarab. Scarabs are dung beetles, right? Yeah, they are. wonder why that became something that's... It's something to do with like rebirth or something. Uh, I, I forget. I, I, I knew get it that in point. like the Sisyphus thing. With it. I get that in like the... Oh, like rolling the... Rolling the, 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 the dung along. The yeah. Yeah, this will be our curiosity of the week. I will take a photo of that. I'll yes, but it's, it's um, a bit imperfect, but not overly so how about we say that so like, yeah don't expect perfection on it i mean that might have been the way it was carved yeah absolutely but yeah. just it's not yeah I absolutely perfect yeah i don't know if there's like it got a little chip or if it was just carved that way yeah yeah but yeah i'll put some photos up of it people can check it out if you click on it it'll take you to our etsy shop where you can purchase that and other curiosities of the week those that are left last week's uterine model is still available yeah i thought that would go also at Etsy are copies of my books. All my books are in stock. If you get them from Etsy, they come signed. Strange Familiars, T-shirts and stickers, patches, artwork. I've got originals and prints up there, including the artwork for this episode and much more. Our shop name is Lost Grave. But if you type in Strange Familiars, you'll see our stuff come up. In the flower pest section of the shop, I just added saint metal necklaces. There's uh, adjustable length made out of paracord with uh, saint metals and bandanas with the Blessed Virgin Mary on them. Pretty cool design, if I do say so myself. Those are in the flower pest section of our Etsy shop. I would also say it's probably time to start mentioning that Alpa Twitches is just a couple weeks ago away. So if you want to make plans to come see us. You're totally right. Alba Twitch Day is the second Saturday in October in Columbia, Pennsylvania. It's going to be a big deal for us. We've got two new t-shirt designs we'll be debuting at Alba Twitch Day. One used to be available in Public, but this will be a silkscreened version. It'll be much nicer. Silkscreen prints are much nicer than those digital prints that they have on the Public, in my opinion. But the other is an all-new design, never been on a t-shirt before. We'll be debuting both of those, as well as some totes, some tote bags with Strange Familiars designs on them. Big enough to put records in, which I think was your only qualification. You said to the lady, make them big enough to put records in. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was important. Yeah. You want to carry your records around or whatever else. Stuff. Yeah. Stuff. Laptop. All the stuff you purchased from us at Albatwitch Day, mm -hmm. put it right in one of those tote bags. That would be handy. Yeah, I'm excited. Albatwitch Day is always a great day. So we will be out there. Chad's going to be there. I haven't talked to John yet. John usually comes with us, but I don't know if he's busy that weekend or not. I'll talk to John. He'll, if he's available, he'll be there. He usually brings a couple tables full of comics and stuff and sets up with us. So it's always a fun day. Though I'm not speaking this year, there are paranormal speakers there, which you can attend for free. There's ghost tours. I think I think that's a, a fee. Mm -hmm. You can sign up for the ghost tours. and On the trolley? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Columbia itself is really like 
every year it keeps blossoming. There's more and more stores. Yeah, Columbia's got some really cool antique stores and, and other stuff over there. Such you a could, cool little town. You could definitely make a day of it. Right along the river. I mean, it's beautiful. The Albatwitz Day is just literally right along the river. Such a nice day every year. I just love Albatwitz Day. That's the second Saturday in October, which is, I think, I think the, the 14th. 14th, I believe that's right. In Columbia, Pennsylvania. Please come out and see us. We love it. It was such a great day to see everybody. And, of course, whatever those T-shirts, you know, we should have those T-shirts available to everybody, too, after Albatwitz Day. And the totes, we'll see. I didn't make a ton of the totes, so we'll see, you know, whatever's left after Albatwitch Day will be available as well. We'll put all that up in the Etsy shop then. American Daydream Antiques in New York. Allison has a stand. Black Rose Antiques in Hanover, Pennsylvania. Chad and Allison and I have a stand together. Go ahead and check them out. I'm told we have the, the coolest stand in, in Black Rose. More than one person has told me that now. Well, that's nice. Yeah. I like the, there's plenty of other stands. Oh, Black Rose is, is really cool. It's a, it's a big antique mall. It's neat. But, uh, yeah, if you're local and you want to check out some uh, some stuff, some of our stuff, I try to keep the books in both locations. But uh, we have a sampling of uranium glass there in Hanover and other, like, kind of ghost books other than my own stuff that from my collection that I just kind of put out there and you've got other old books and chad's got wool and axes and knives uh lan- some lanterns and stuff so good. you could go camping and find something to read while you're out there exactly it's like a whole weekend's plan <laughs> good selection of stuff there at black rose all right thanks for listening everybody we'll be back soon with more strange familiars Looking for something to do after Halloween is over? Are you into the strange, bizarre, and unusual? On November 3rd, 4th, and 5th, the Strange Realities Conference is coming back to Nashville, Tennessee, and streaming online. Come join us for three days exploring mysteries, supernatural, the occult, weird history, and more. Featuring lectures, presentations, and workshops by Tim Banal, Zach Hunt, Leslin Vance, Bryn Collier, Tobias Whalen, Brent Raines, Joshua Cutchin, Kiki Dombrowski, Recluse, Nathan Isaac, Christopher Ernst, Aaron Gullius, David Metcalf, Timothy Renner, Mallory Samwitzki, Soraya Azkap, and special guest Steve Berg as your Master of Ceremonies. Make sure to join us for the fun and informative weekend online and at SIR Nashville November 3rd and 4th and online only November 5th. Tickets are available at strangerealitiesconference.com. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. We also have the Strange Familiars gathering group there. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, all one word. And you can find us on the web at www.strangefamiliars.com. Behind her hair 
Which night reveals 